This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for the fact that as we look forward to this year, it looks bright. It looks hopeful. It looks wonderful because you are the God of all hope. Lord, we uh, find it very significant that we're here in this first Sunday of the month to open your word. So, Lord, do speak to our hearts now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 10. Can you hear me? You can hear me. Can all the neighbors hear me? Hopefully so. Okay, Matthew chapter 10, verse 26. We're going to cover this morning just these verses that are go from chapter 10, 26 to 31. That's our text. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. What ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are more value than many sparrows. Now, we're in a section here where Matthew, and of course we know Matthew is the writer of the gospel, and as a matter of fact, this is a preparation of the twelve who are going to go out and be his faithful and loyal witnesses, his messengers. And Matthew is one of the students in the class. And so he's writing to us, and the Lord is covering many, many sobering points here, as he stated in verse 16, when he told them that you are going to be sent out as sheep in the midst of wolves. As a matter of fact, this is a course that he's giving. This is a class he's giving here. And if you wanted to give a title to the class here, you could say it. This is the class of Sheep in the Midst of Wolves 101. So he's told the disciples, 
you have to be careful of men. It's men that are going to deliver you up to courts, and they're going to scourge you. They're going to beat you. It's family that's going to betray you to be put to death in verse 21. It's all men that are going to hate you in verse 22. It's men that are going to persecute you and chase you from one city to the other. Verse 23, it's men that are going to accuse you of being tied in right with the devil. Verse 24, now that's a lot to be afraid of. And the Lord tells them, he starts off in this section in verse 26, fear them not. Now the Lord's going to give them reasons in this section of why they should not be afraid. And one of the first reasons he gives them in verse 26 is he says, there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. So what the Lord is saying here is that the way to not be afraid of all this terrible opposition, of all these terrible murderous enemies is to keep one future event in view an event in which everything which has been covered up is going to be uncovered, an event which everything that has been hidden is going to be brought out in the open. And, of course, this is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ when he returns back to earth as judge. This is when the Lord will come. He's going to make everything right. We're living today in a time which the Bible calls the last days. And it's a very awkward time because it's an awkward time because things are out of kilter. Things are off. Things are not right. Things are wrong. And one of the things that happens so often today is that there are scoffers. The Bible calls them scoffers, mockers. Oh, you don't believe that Bible, do you? Oh, that's such a fairy tale. Scoffers. And one of the things the scoffers say is in 2 Peter 3, 3, knowing this verse, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So their argument is he's not coming back because he has not come back. But when the Lord does return, the first thing he's going to do is he's going to sit down on a throne. He's going to sit down on a throne when he comes back, and before him, there's going to be a great separation. He's going to separate between two sides, which he calls the goats and the sheep. It says that in Matthew 25, 31, which says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. Now that's going to be a time, that's a time, when everything hidden is going to be uncovered, and everything that's been taken out of view is going to be put right back in sight, as it says in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, therefore the judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. We'll, we'll both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and make manifest the counsel of the hearts. Now, meanwhile, until he comes back, he tells us what to do. He says in verse 27, what I tell you in darkness, that speaking in light, 
and what you hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. So it's a deception for believers to think that when the Lord comes, he's only gonna judge the lost. He's only gonna judge the lost. It's just gonna be a matter of these ones go to heaven and these ones get cast into hell, that's it. But the Bible is clear that judgment applies to us also as believers because it says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in this body according to that he had done, whether it's good or bad. So when that verse says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that means every one of us is gonna have to give an account to the Lord on what we did in our lives. And one of the things that we have to give an account of is verse 27. This is a command. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, and what you hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. So we have a responsibility today now to spend alone time, to spend quiet time with the Lord. Sometimes we look at quiet time and say, oh, it's a, you know, if I do it or I don't do it, oh, it doesn't matter. But the Lord says it's a responsibility that we have to hear what he's going to say to us, the, the message, because he came into the world to save the lost. And therefore, he sends us out into the world to save the lost. And so we have a very solemn warning about this in Proverbs 24, 11. says, if thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death, and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth he not know it? And shall he not render to every man according to his works? You know, I can't help but read a verse like that, read that verse, and think about the Holocaust. Because, especially in Munich, just uh, outside of Munich and Dachau, where it was very close to this metropolis of Munich, the, the concentration camp there, the death camp. And uh, as a matter of fact, I remember when I went through that, and you could see houses which were in the site of this death camp. It wasn't a secret. And clearly, the Jews, as they were being marched off there, were those that were drawn unto death, that were ready to be slain as to be going into the gas chambers there, lining up so much in Auschwitz, especially as Nazis were losing the war, that it seemed to just step up the death camps all the more. And there were Jews that were piled up. They couldn't kill more than 10,000 a day. They were piled up on the platforms day and night, waiting their turn. Those who were drawn unto death, who were ready to be slain. We're not in Nazi Germany today, but we have those who are lost who we know are also drawn unto death, ready to be slain and to be cast into hell when they die. And the Lord says, if thou sayest, behold, we knew it not. Just like when they did interview the Germans who lived around the Dachau, they said, we didn't know. We didn't know. What did we know? We thought it was just a workplace. We didn't know. But if we say the same thing, we didn't know. What do we know? This philosophy just didn't believe in Jesus. Oh, maybe he was a... If we take that attitude, the Lord says, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? God knows every excuse in the book. And so he says, he that keepeth thy soul, doth he not know it? That word, keepeth thy soul, could be interpreted Saveth thy soul. It's that word. 
which is used to guard. Keepeth thy soul, saveth thy soul, continually saveth thy soul. Does not he who saves thy soul know that you haven't made effort to try to also see another lost person saved? That's what Proverbs 24 11 is talking about. If thou forbear, if you hold back to deliver them that are drawn unto death. Now, in other words, God's saying it won't be unnoticed. So he tells us to keep on track in life. How do we keep on track? Well, that's what he means when he says in verse 27, what I tell you in darkness, what you hear in the ear. The pattern is the Lord speaks to us in a darkness, so to speak, when we are isolated, separated, out, quiet, alone with God. And then we are to speak out boldly what he tells us in secret. In other words, you can kind of look at it like we are like a nest. And the word of God is like the egg that God puts in the nest. And as we spend time with God, as we meditate on the word, that's incubating the egg of the word of God in us until finally it comes alive for us. We see it like we've never saw it before. The word of God is hatched, so to speak, in the nest of our hearts, and we fly off with the message of the word of God. That's what he means when he says, what you hear in the ear, that preach you upon the housetop. Now, the phrase hear in the ear means a private communication, like when God told the prophet Samuel something very private, only between God and Samuel, it was a secret that God told Samuel in 1 Samuel 9.15. Now, the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because their cry has come up to me. So it says there that God told Samuel, tomorrow you're going to find a man from Benjamin. You're going to anoint him. He's the king. He's the new king. He's going to save Israel from the Philistines. That's what happened. And what it says is that this was a secret communication. So it says the Lord told Samuel in his ear. You know, and I can't help but think this reminds me of my granddaughter, Kate. She was five years old at the time. And there was like a family gathering with many people, their family. We were all together there. I was there, many people. And all of a sudden, little Kate comes up to her dad, to David, comes up to her dad and says, Daddy, I have a secret to tell you. And her father says, okay. And so then Kate comes up very close to her dad's ear, cups her hand so that we're sure not going to hear this, you know. And she says whatever she had to say. I still don't know what it was. But anyway, it doesn't matter. She told her father the secret in his ear. Now, that's a picture of how God speaks to us. We sit down with an open Bible and an open heart, and we want to hear God. And just like God does, just like Kate does, comes up close to her father. God gets up close to us and says, I have a secret to tell you. And then just like Kate, he whispers something into the secret ear of our heart with something he impresses on us from the Bible, something we've read before, but now all of a sudden it's come alive. It's like it's got neon lights on it. And so it happens. This is the mystery of what happens in verse 27. 
what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye on the housetops. Actually, what the Lord is saying here is being drawn from a custom that we learn about today because it's in the Talmud. It's several places in the Talmud. It refers to a common practice by this rabbi or that rabbi, Yochin or Ezra, several of these rabbis. It was described in the Talmud that they had standing next to them a man who was called an interpreter. So when there would be a large group in front of these rabbis to hear do his teaching, what the rabbi would do is he would turn to his interpreter and he would go like this, see? He would whisper the teaching in the ear of his interpreter. Then his interpreter would go out and say what the rabbi said. That was the way it was. Now, for example, sometimes there were Jews there who didn't speak Hebrew. They said, spoke another language, and the interpreter was an interpreter. He was a translator, and he would didn't translate it into a language. But whatever it is, the interpreter served as the mouthpiece for the rabbi. That's the picture that the Lord is drawing on here, where he's saying, I'm the rabbi. I'm speaking into your ear. You're the interpreter. You speak it out. Now, the question is, we've already talked about all these things that were very terrifying about people hating them, wanting to kill them, persecute them, beat them, chase them. And yet in verse 26, he says, fear them not. And in verse 28, he says, fear not them. So what's the connection between verse 26 and 28, fear not them and fear them not, and Verse 28, what I tell you in darkness, and verse 27, what you hear in the ear. What's the connection between that? Don't be afraid and what you hear in the ear and what I tell you in darkness. What does what I tell you in darkness and what you hear in the ear have anything to do with fear them not? And the answer is, that's how they're going to be able to not be afraid. If we sit here and think of all the people who hate us and who want to kill us, it's terrifying. It's terrifying to think about that. And then we think, how am I going to be able to stand? You know, it's, it's easy now. We're in our comfort zones. We're sitting out here at beautiful San Diego, nice sunshine. And if we say right now that, oh, we'll die for the Lord. Yes, yes, we'll die for the Lord. Just like Peter. Peter, when he was in a safe spot, he said in Luke twenty two thirty three, he said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Mark 14, 29. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Now, anyways, that was self-reliance. Peter was relying on himself. And so what happened? Luke 22, 34. He said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt deny me thrice that thou knowest me. Reminds me of the two believers who were in a prison cell together for their faith. They were about to be the next morning. They were going to be burned at the stake. And they were sitting in this prison cell at a table, and there was a candle burning to give them light there. And the next morning, they're going to be burned at the stake And if they didn't renounce the Lord Jesus. And one of the believers said that he just didn't know if he could do it. He said, I'm just not sure I can endure the flame and not renounce the Lord. And he was worried about this. He was troubled about it. If he's going to be strong enough to be able to take it, take the flame and not renounce the Lord. So what he did was he took his finger and he put it into the fire, the little candle there on the table, put his finger on the fire there, and he pulled it out and he says, I can't do it, I can't do it, I don't think, I, I won't be able to do it. 
And he was all troubled about that because he thought if he couldn't even endure the flame on his finger from the candle, how's he going to endure the flame on his whole body when it comes time for him to be burnt at the stake? And the other believer wisely told him, look, when you put your finger in the flame, you didn't have a special grace from God to endure that pain. But in the morning, you're going to have a special grace from God to endure being burned at the stake. What he was telling him was Hebrews 4, 6. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, it's all about grace to help in time of need. So when the believer put his finger into the flame there as a test, it was not the time of his need for the grace that he needed to help him. But when the morning came and he's going to be lashed to the stake and the fire started to burn his body, that would be his time of need when he could depend on the Hebrews 4.16, find grace to help in time of need. So what the Lord is saying here in verse 27 is that what I tell you in darkness and what you hear in the ear, then we're going to have to face, when we have to face those who hate us, we have to face those who want to kill us, that will be our time of need. And that will be the time for Hebrews 4.16 to play out in our lives. Find grace to help in time of need. And the grace that we're going to find to help in the time of need will be in the form of what the Lord tells us in darkness, of what the Lord tells us in our ears. That's going to be the grace that we're going to find to help us to not be afraid. It's going to be from his word. This is why it's so important for us to lay up God's word in our hearts. It's so important for us to read it every day. It's so important for us to memorize it, to study it, to think about it, and to sing it, just like it says about Mary in Luke 2.19. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another, in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, he says here that we are to preach it on the housetop. You know, the housetops in those days were flat. They were like this one. And they had a banister around them, a very important banister. Moses made a big deal about that in Deuteronomy. He said, when you build a new house, you put up this banister because if someone falls off and you don't have a banister, it's your fault. So anyway, the housetops were designed to be a, a place where people went to. And on those hot summer nights in the Middle East, when the houses would heat up during the day and become like an oven at night, people would just retire up to the housetops in the evening. And that's where they would eat. That's where they would talk. That's where they spent their evenings. As a matter of fact, most of the houses on the block where my house is in Israel, they were made like this to have people in the evening. In fact, my house was made like that too, except we closed in and made a room in it. But anyways, originally it was like that. So on the summer nights, people would go up at that time to, to the housetops. They would relax. And as they were, one house to the other, then it was like it was like a big community. People on one housetop were right next to a people of another housetop. And if you spoke in a loud voice, you know, you could speak from one housetop to the other. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.